Hey, welcome. I'm your host, Gregory Ricks, a financial advisor here to answer your questions and help you win with your money. On today's episode of the Ask Gregory podcast, we're going to walk through the process of what happens with your property when you pass away. Joining us for this episode is Wes Blanchard of WJ Blanchard Law, as well as Brandon Bergeron, a wealth advisor here with Gregory Ricks and Associates. We also have a complimentary download waiting for you on this topic. If you go to gregoryricks.com slash podcast 77. Again, that is gregoryricks.com slash podcast 77. But uh, we have Chris from Folsom. Louisiana has a question for you, Wes. Something to do with Napoleonic Code. Okay. Chris, welcome to Winning at Life. How can we help you today? Um, I'm just curious about the, I guess it's called use of front law, where, okay, so I'm from another state. I'm married to a man down here that his family has a bunch of land. Well, they've given it to him. So what are the laws when he passes away? What happens to that? Do I just have permission to live there and my kids uh, inherit it, or how does that work? Yeah, so it sounds to me like it's it's a much bigger question than the the you know use of abuse of fraud <laughs> in that particular situation, right? So what you're saying to me is he's inherited land or has been given land by his family, and it's act- it's very yeah. interesting because Gregor and I talked about this particular issue when we were teeing up topics for the show this morning, um, there's a separate property and a community property aspect to um, ownership, right? And here, because that property was given to him or he inherited it, um, that is considered his separate property. So unless he disposes of it in his will, uh, you know, leaves it to you or gives you some portion or use of it, um, you know, that that is going to be controlled by Louisiana law. And by Louisiana law, separate property devolves to his children, not to his spouse. Got it. So there's got to be some sort of arrangement That is is an interesting point there, that separate property doesn't go to the spouse. Correct. Wow. Mm -hmm. I thought that it had changed that a long time ago, and it went up to the age of 21 to protect the children. So in all reality, it is still in place as it was 34 years ago. Yeah, so I think at this point, you know, the the question that you need answered is, do you have a will? And do you have something that yeah. provides for an opt-out of the, the legal structure provided by statute? Because it would seem to me like that is, at least from what you're telling me, it, it seems like that's what's in everybody's best interest at this time. Um, and you've got some options. You can make use of usufruct or full ownership and you know we can walk you through that as well we we never addressed it quite that way but it came up and it's separate property and generally it comes up a lot of times instead of land it's uh inherited money unqualified assets separate money and if he keeps it in a separate account the current wife no matter how long that's been a wife but it that separate property is not going to go to the wife under if he doesn't have a document instruct that would be a will or a trust in doing so it goes to the kids and and that's even if it's the kid's mom right that and that and, and look everybody's not got tons of land tons of money that could be the only value. Yeah, so there. think about it this way, too. It's 
it's really all about the nature of that property. Is it community? Is it separate? So if it's separate, we just discussed it's going to go to the kids first. But let's go down the list and see how far down the list the spouse is, okay, on separate property. Okay. First to the kids. If not to the kids, it goes to brothers and sisters. If not to brothers and sisters, it goes to nieces and nephews. If not to nieces and nephews, to the parents. If not to parents, then to the spouse. So you're number five on the list as a spouse for separate property. And what, what the law is trying to tell you right there is this is bloodline property. And we're going to do everything in our power to keep, to keep it in that family. Right? Now, they let's be clear. To compartmentalize we people from a bunch of states. But we're talking about Louisiana That's right. law there. So let's, you mind jumping over to Mississippi for a moment on that? Yeah. So Separate property is a little bit different. Louisiana law and Mississippi law are, I don't know that they could be more different in the way that they leave assets to spouses, right? So the default rule in Mississippi is going to be, hey, it's going over to your spouse. All right. Now, yeah. there's some, some... And that's good. Simple language, joint tenants in yeah. common, right? Right. So, and, the, and there's some machinations that go into there. Not every single thing fits oh, into that Oh, you threw box. out a big word there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. So, just caveats is what we would say, right? Um, but the idea there is, you know, just by, by being domiciled across that state line, the very concepts that we just discussed in, um, you know, parsing out separate property versus community property are really not things you have to worry about. So, yeah, you look, we've got things to worry about over here in Louisiana that you guys don't have to worry about, and certainly vice versa. But when it comes to this separate and community property issue, it's, it's a big thing to understand where you are in that equation. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the totem pole. Yeah. The, the wife is way down the list on that. I, I don't know. I, maybe I look at things a little bit differently, but I'd want the wife way up higher on the totem pole myself but it also could be you know and so many things in people's families and and beliefs and how they want that controlled going forward but one of the things is no matter how you feel that should be it would be easy to go and document that because we're talking about the lay of the land without instructions which what are acceptable instructions a will and or trust to handle that now going back to lands not it's harder to get commingled right because right. lands easy to keep a separate property but if it was two hundred thousand you came into you, you you have to keep that in a separate account title and i'll just use you know you get two hundred thousand you inherit it and you keep it in account in your name that's right. But if you say, you know, I'm just going to put it in the joint account with the wife. Separate properties history then. So to, to a certain cash, extent, yeah. yes. And, and here's, here's the only way you can unravel that ball of yarn. So just to, to big picture here, you inherit $200,000. That's your separate property. Until and unless you mingle it with community property in such a way that it can't be discerned as to what part is what. So two, two ways to look at that. You inherit 200000 You put it in a joint community property account that already has $10,000 in it. Well, look, we can tell what's going on in that account, right? But you put it in an account that has 
$205,000 in it. Well, how do you tell what money got spent where? Right? On the other on the other side where you had just 10,000, you can spend, let's say you spend 15 and you say, "Okay, wait, no matter what happens here, we still have $195,000 at separate property." On the other hand, when you when you have apples and apples, you can't really discern what's what and the courts have made clear we're not even going to try so unless it's just explicitly clear and easy for us to to tell which is which we're not even going to try you you made that mistake and that's something you decided to do um so you have to be very careful And, and we've set up plenty of wills and trusts such that when a child is inheriting an asset um maybe it's a brokerage account maybe it's a bank account it's done in such a way that at inception, it's titled in that child's name. Some of, some of my clients have even asked to have a new bank account opened as part of the inheritance. Okay, a new bank account will be opened. These assets will be transferred into that new bank account with this child's name on it only. And that's to underline the point that we're keeping this separate. If you take it out of this new account and mix it up, that's on you. That's on you. You've decided to do that. But I don't want you to think you've only got one account. It happens to be with your spouse, so that's the only place it could go. And now you're in a, you know, a mixed-up situation from day one. So you know, they've really tried to create that, that soft wall between you know, the inherited uh, child and the spouse. Um, and, and sometimes that works. You know, and that's a great place to start. But those are the reasons we're doing that, is because you know, the, the separation of inherited money and inherited assets is a big deal. So let's flip to the other side where we talked kind of clearly talked about Louisiana, but go back to over to Mississippi and because it's pretty automatic, a few quirks in there, sure. but pretty much that, that separate property is going to go to the wife. So you could have under that, it's like, oh no, I don't want that. I want, I want my 50,000 acres to go to the boys because I want to keep that in the family for a long time time then it's got to go to their boys well that's just not automatically going to happen that way yeah and so those are because the mom it's her she's gonna then have control those are the situations where you need a will right and and that's that's it where where i would say you know 95 percent of the folks in louisiana need need a will you just need something because unless unless you you know you're a single person and you've got two kids and look that it's only going down to to one person or one child, okay, I get it. But most most scenarios are not like that. In Mississippi, um, you're on the other side of that, where the law is set up in your favor for the most part, except when you want to make an adjustment. Can you, in two minutes, give me, and this is Will, I'm sorry, Kim's question about the difference between a will and a trust. So, Largely, they can do a lot of the same functions. They distribute your, your assets to your heirs. Um, the, the biggest uh, benefit that you're going to get from a trust is going to be the ability to avoid succession or avoid probate on those assets, right? And we can talk about, you know, on the other half of the, the break here, um, what that succession process looks like and how it can get a little bit messy if it's not a very straightforward situation um, and why it, it could be something you want to avoid. It's not for everybody. Some, some folks have had great experience with successions, other folks have done it once or twice, and they say never again. And so it is a bit of a personal preference, um, but that's going to be your main benefit. We can talk, again, a little more about the ins and outs of some tools you can utilize in a trust versus a will, but 
big picture, your big benefit's going to be avoiding probate, avoiding succession, using a trust. You know, and, and people, you know, I've fielded these questions. I know you have, too. It's like, how long does, why does succession or probate take so long? Well, well how can we speed this up? And you, you like to get it expedited. I know that. But you also don't control that. And there's things in place that takes a while. And that's where a revocable, I, I like a revocable trust because you can change your mind. And there's situations where you probably don't want things changed. That's fine. But I kind of like to change my mind sometimes. You know, the wind blows. I change my mind on what I want to do with my truck. Okay. So you can change that. But you don't have all those hindrances, right? Right. Other than kind of, yeah, I've got to get the truck retitled, the land retitled, and such like that. But there's like not a drawn-out process. And a will, from a standpoint, is something that can be done pretty quickly. I don't know about the trust. You can talk about that, how that process goes. And there's probably, I think, what is it? Um, if you got the, everything trusted up, what, what is it? Carryover will? Or a pour over will. Pour over, kind of. That It's to clean up the crumbs that That's are right. <laughs> left out there. So, so anytime we're talking about a will, um, a setup, it's, it's by its nature going to be a lot quicker than setting up a trust. Um, but the long-term benefits are not as strong, right? Oftentimes, we have language in a will that is sort of sweeping and broad and generalized. And, you know, the, the first option for most married couples is, I'm leaving it to my spouse. And then the second option from there is, okay, maybe now we're talking about some specifics going to certain folks, and maybe we're using a trust to hold on to that for some of the grandkids until they're out of college or to pay for college, Um Maybe we're restricting use of some of this property to a certain extent. Maybe they can't own it outright. Maybe they can only use it up until the age of 30, and then at that point it's got to be sold, that sort of thing. Um, but all of that really just is, is encapsulated in the ability to kind of do that quickly. You can make those decisions and, and throw that into a will, and that's going to be what holds up in court. When you, when you probate your will, that's going to be what the judge decides to do with it. On the other side of things, if you're looking at a trust, you almost have to look like it, look at it as its own little business. So your business doesn't have anything until you start putting things into the name of your business. You open up a business bank account. Maybe you buy a business car. Maybe you buy a building with your business. Maybe you acquire office equipment, employees. And this, you're, you're speaking of the trust. Correct. Revocable or non? Both. Either Both. way. Yeah. So a non-revocable, I mean, a revocable can have be treated like that business yeah. entity. And, and so the concept there is in order for the trust to have the same effect that you're looking for in a will, you need to place those assets that you want the trust to control inside of that legal trust. Okay. So from a tax ID standpoint, is that your social on a, speaking of a revocable trust, meaning you can change your mind, move stuff in and out of that trust. Is there a tax ID number? No, you can use your social, okay. and, and that's, that's quick simple. and easy. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yep, and, and that really is just sort of uh, a bird's-eye view. It, it's because the, the overarching concept is maintenance of control. It's, its primary purpose is to avoid succession. It's not going to give you any tax benefits. It's not treated as its own taxable uh, distinct entity, right? It's really its job is to 
um, avoid that succession, that probate process. And so from the, the governmental perspective, you're not going to get any protection of assets. You're not going to get any tax breaks. So why, why establish a new legal identity for it with a, its own tax ID number? Now, if you move on to an irrevocable trust, that's a different story because you are getting some of those benefits. You are getting asset protection. You are getting um, tax differentiation, right? But th- that comes with strings as well. You've lost now the control of the property that goes into those to, to an irrevocable trust. And so that's the big conversation um, when we have, have discussions with prospects is a lot of folks come in and that's what they want. They're really hammering down, hey, I want my assets protected. Okay, let's talk about what the trade-off is there and whether you can protect your assets with adequate insurance or whether you want to take the, the major step to divorce yourself from control of that asset. And that is something that I don't think a lot of people are prepared for. And frankly, oftentimes it's, it's not worth it. You know, that, that equation is a negative most of the time. And so if we're trying to avoid succession and probate, that's where it kind of always trickles back to that. Thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the Ask Gregory podcast. We want to give a big thank you to our guests this week, Wes Blandard and Brandon Bergeron for joining us. And don't forget, we have a complimentary download waiting for you on this topic. If you go to gregoryricks.com slash podcast 77, again, that is gregoryricks.com slash podcast 77. Gregory Ricks and Associates is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Gregory Ricks and Associates are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims of paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to be used as a sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Gregory Erickson Associates is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Gregory Erickson Associates has a strategic partnership with tax professional Jude Heath, who can provide tax advice. Our firm is not affiliated nor endorsed by the U.S. government or any other governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained by sources believed to be reliable, but the accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Gregory Ricks and Associates.